0: So welcome back to the John Harrison Podcast. Today, I've got two of our team members with us. I've got Melissa Dunn, our client services director, and Madeline Baker, our marketing coordinator, with us. First time Madeline's joined us on the podcast, so I'm going to let her introduce herself in just a second. But today, we're going to talk about burnout. Burnout. Some of you have been through our sessions, you've heard that uh, topic in some way, others have never heard it, and we're going to do a deep dive into that today.
1: Yeah, this is really weird for me to be on the podcast. I'm usually um, behind the soundboard, but we've got Tanner trying to man that today, and yeah, it's kind of weird for me to be behind the mic, but I am the marketing coordinator for John, and so that means that I get to do a lot of the creative efforts, like I do all the branding sort of things, I make us look nice, Um, I do our social media typically doing podcasts um, and all that fun stuff so um, I'm excited to be here a little bit nervous to be honest but I'm excited to talk about burnout because it's a very important topic and to be honest I've only been in the full-time working sphere for a little bit but I have experienced burnout of my own in kind of my part-time work throughout college and um, you know just even in our little group I think we all kind of go through burnout in different you know varying degrees so I am uh, excited to be here and talk about it and kind of get some advice from you guys because um, Melissa and John y'all y'all probably have some great advice for burnout John I hear it every time at the session but you know it's always good to have a refresher
0: awesome I'm glad you're here so I'll just say in general as we kick off I think this is a subject that's not talked about very much it's it's just one of those taboo subjects that doesn't come up in the workplace it could be, employees don't bring it up because it can look like a sign of weakness Uh, managers leaders don't bring it up because we're busy and we've got a lot of things to do and so it just doesn't make it to the surface very often but I will say this no matter where I go speak if I ask the group how many of you have been burned out about 95% of hands go up Mm -hmm. so it is something that needs to be talked about
1: yeah I agree completely even you know in my early days of starting a new job I feel the pressures of wanting to do good. You know, like you say, you don't really want to bring it up to your boss necessarily because you're like, oh, they're going to think I can't handle it all. Um, So I'm a golden retriever personality. And so that means that it's just kind of hard for me to like bring up tough topics sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I don't really like to surface hard things or, or do conflict. Conflict is not fun. Um, so, I have to really push myself if I'm feeling that way and feel comfortable going to my boss. And sometimes starting a new job, like you said, John, it's like really difficult to
2: come in and you want to feel like you can handle it all. So what are some of the things that you that come to the forefront of your mind and what you would like to know? Like you said you haven't been in the workforce for very long, but what what are some of the things that you have witnessed or that you've seen happen that you would like to be able to? you know, be be pro, pro proactive at in the future and trying to combat some of that. Yeah, I guess one thing that I would
1: love to hear more about um, from y'all's perspective is how do you know that you're burnt out? Sometimes I go through days where like you feel very drained um, or you can be like, you know, things going on at home affects that too. Um, and so yeah, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm really stressed today, or I've been stressed this week, but it's not always like this. So does that mean that I'm burnt out?
0: That's good. I I think there's a difference between having a bad day Mm -hmm. and burnout. And I'll let Melissa expound on that a little bit. But we've all had bad days. could be, again, a combination of what's going on at home, project that didn't go as planned, weather, traffic, whatever. And we can get through bad days. And I think there's a difference with all of a sudden those bad days start to become bad weeks. So I know most of you've seen that, but what would be your take on that?
2: Yeah, so that's that's a clear difference, I think, for me, is that getting through a bad day is one thing because you wake up on the next day, right, and you're more motivated, you feel more challenged, just like we can figure this out. We can get past that. So your mindset is really getting through it. Mm-hmm. But it's when you start to wake up and you don't want to go to work mm-hmm. or you just feel like the world is against you or you feel like your manager is against you or, you know, even the supporting roles in an organization that you're working with, whether it's IT or finance and accounting, you know, you start getting some of that pushback and you don't feel like you're going to get through it. Um, I, I've personally been burnt out. Um, and in the corporate world, I was much more of a lion beaver type of personality. Um, And I would tend to, I hate to say this, but come home and kind of take it out on my family. And it's not that I meant to necessarily, but it was like, I was still in that lion mode. It was like, can you do the dishes? We empty the trash, you know, doing all those things that I was doing at work, because I was constantly in that mode of uh, giving, giving instruction or direction. And I was taking it out on my family too, unintentionally. So I think that's a clear difference for people in the, the workforce, primarily coming in anew, too, is to be able to recognize when's the difference between the bad day and when it's really kind of starting to impact you, even at home and in your personal life.
0: And I think it's important <clears throat> that people know and our listeners know you're all going to handle this differently. It's going to affect you differently. Some sure. people, it might mean, you're again, you're short with your family. Some people might mean you start to just clam up and you, you're quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you don't do the things that you used to enjoy. So I used to like to go for a run or I like to you know, take my dog for a walk and now I'm just not even doing that anymore. So it'll, it'll play out differently in lives, in each individual lives. It's just a matter of thinking, what's different? Why, why do I maybe not want to get up for work today? or Why did I hit the snooze alarm three times? And it's 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 intervening early when that happens and talking about it. And I just think again, as our society, we don't talk about things like that. And it does seem it does seem to be a sign of weakness, perhaps, which is not the case. I will say this to leaders that are listening: a leader might think, "Well, I've never been burned out, so I don't I don't know why they are." Well, everyone has a different, you know, kind of a different level of what they can handle. Different and i think that's hard for people to understand because you think well i've been i've i worked 80 hours a week for 6 months once i don't know what you know, these these darn young people can't handle resilience is different and i think we don't have to you don't have to love it if someone's resilience is less than yours but if you don't realize it it's going to be a problem and it's usually our best people that end up getting burned out because we just keep giving them more and more to do so it's got to be a two-way street where the employee feels comfortable talking about it without Fear of repercussions are looking weak, and the leaders have to understand I, I need to be proactive in talking about it with folks just to check in with them, because if you don't, it's likely to get unresolved and not discussed.
2: Well, and some of it goes back to that passion factor, too, you know, making sure that there's a connection, a direct connection with the passion piece of it and what the organization is doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they have clear values, having that as part of the discussion when the when you have that touch base is to say, you know, do you feel like you're still connected to the values? Do you understand the mission? Do you feel some level of passion for that still? Mm-hmm and you know not that you're urging people out the door necessarily but it's having that transparent conversation to make sure that there is still a connection there and that the person wants to be there every day and if that connection is missing on some level or it's not fully there anymore trying to figure out how to get that connection back and it might be a change in a role it might be a redirection on focus and what they're doing and the contribution that they're making in the organization so there's a lot of different pieces to that transparent conversation that could be had in terms of burnout yeah I've I've definitely felt that before um, being
1: a young person and um, I've only been working full-time for John for almost a year now um, which is great but I used to work Part time, And it was definitely challenging, um, not necessarily the company that I worked for, I absolutely loved them. And um, what I was doing, I liked, but, and this makes me feel like every time I say it, I'm weak, because, you know, I go into, I would go into work at an office, and I would work, um, sometimes part-time, it kind of depended on the day, because I was in college, but especially in the winters, you know, I would show up, like, almost right as the sun was rising, and then I would leave, and it would be dark, And, um, I was starting to just feel like, man, I I don't know if office work is for me. I don't know if like going into an office is what I really want to be doing every day. And I felt so weak for saying that because I know some people, that's what they do every day. Um, and they are totally fine with staying in that sort of job. And so I have definitely felt that like not wanting to admit that because maybe that's just me being weak or, you know, um. I don't and- see it
2: that way at all, though. I really see it as you finding, try, trying to find part of your identity in the contribution you want to make in society, right? Because... Yes. It's it's not just about work. It's about you fulfilling what you do at work, but still being energized to go out into society, community and your personal life to make those different impacts and connections. Oh, yeah. And I definitely don't have it figured out now, but it is
1: wonderful working from John because I do get to work from home. I can go sit on my back porch in the sun and um, I think the creative aspects of it really like you say, Melissa, like passion is really big. And so I've been able to find a balance between my analytical side and then also my, uh, my creative sides with what I do here for the John Harrison team.
0: And again, from a generational point of view, I think it's important that like most of our listeners, your grandparents, my parents, that generation didn't talk about passion a lot at work. Didn't mean they didn't have it. It just wasn't a normal conversation. Uh, my father built houses and designed houses, and he was incredibly talented and I remember asking him was, were you were you passionate about that?" And he was kind of like, "Oh, it was just a way to be, take care of you kids and I think he probably did feel some passion about it. I knew he f- felt passion for flying airplanes because he did that, but I think that generation was almost taught to just talk about its you just put your nose down and you do your job and you put you know food on the table. Definitely. So I love that younger folks are thinking about contribution to society, as Melissa said, and passion. Now, what we've also tried to teach our daughters and people we work with is that even if you do have a passion for for helping the world, you're still going to have bad days at work. And what, what you can't do, in my opinion, is say, well, I've had, I just had a bad day, so I'm quitting because I want to have a great day every day. Well, that's not realistic. So I think there's a fine line between chasing passions but being realistic about what's what what's there are some days that are they're kind of drudgery Mm -hmm. and they're not great days it's recognizing again if those days become multiple and what's causing that and it may be something that you internally need to work on or is this the right kind of organization and just again having these conversations if you if if our listeners say i I think it's time i talk to my boss about this because i am a little burned out and if they just shut you down and go well suck it up and get back to work that worries me right i think we but we can't play these little tapes in our head that say i'm weak if i say it they're going to they're going to shut me down you have to mm-hmm. be confident enough to say i'm a little overwhelmed right now and i'm not sure i've lo- i've lost a little spark and can we talk about that and i think most of those conversations will go well
1: yeah that was going to be my next question as as a golden retriever personality not wanting to come forward you know how do you do that
2: how do you start that conversation yeah i the way i would start those conversations really is like looking at my project list Mm -hmm. you know what what do i have on my list can you help me prioritize Mm -hmm. and then usually that conversation would evolve into okay well once we've got this prioritized now, can I talk about my balance a little bit? Because I think balance is our own personal responsibility, but transparency in those discussions and workload that comes with the territory, right? So, you know, if you, if your leader is not willing to help you balance and you personally can't balance it, then you really have to start looking at whether or not that spark is there. Is this the right place for you? You know, those kinds of things. But definitely it's not a one day deal and done, like John has said multiple times. (laughs) It's truly a balance and we own that and we know what that balance feels like for each of us individually and it's different for everybody, right? So I really think you have to do some self-evaluation in terms of that.
0: And again, to what Melissa just said, we, we do believe that it should be the supervisor should be the one initiating these conversations, whether that's a 15-minute little check-in once a week, it's every other week for an hour, doesn't matter. But realize that a lot of people will not come to their supervisor and say, I feel overwhelmed right now. Or um, I, I always tell staff level people this, managers and supervisors don't get in a room and think, how can we irritate our people this week? Let's let's give them a lot more things to do in a short deadline because that'll irritate them, and they'll you know that'll that'll force them out the door. I don't believe that's happening. I think leaders are innocently saying, "Hey, Madeline, can you do this for us? Melissa, can you do? But you know, sometime this week, could you do blah blah, you know, blah blah blah?" And all of a sudden, you're thinking that's the tenth thing I have to do this week, and I may not even realize that. So to me, the the leader should say, "What's on your list?" How are things going? And like, like Melissa just said, if those are happening regularly and regularly is up to you and the, your leader how that happens, then I think you're catching things much earlier. And and again, frankly, if it's the other way, if someone is a little, uh, they don't have a very high tolerance level, then the supervisor can start to see that. And that doesn't mean they're going to fire the person, but we, we got to fix this because this isn't an unreasonable load for a week or a month. So... We need to chat about that or the supervisor could go well, wow madeline you have 20 things due in the next two weeks that's not realistic so i think the leaders should be initiating those conversations
2: but you know i i will say this too i think the reason why leaders don't initiate the conversations is because they're afraid of what the conversation could turn into whether it's um you know mental disabilities or dealing with stress and anxiety and depression and all those kinds of things, right? They steer away from that. Or
0: I need time off or I want to raise. Yeah. You're right. You're right.
2: Yeah. And you know, I would just encourage leaders to seek those, people in their organization, whether it's human resources or another leader that they consider a mentor, you know, to just try to reach out to those other resources that they have to help them work through and think through and prepare for those conversations. You know, you if you wait until the, the employee gets to the point of saying, I'm overwhelmed, then you haven't been proactive about it. So I think to proactively address those and prepare for those discussions is critical and key for a successful relationship and helping maintain balance and avoiding that burnout.
1: And I guess I'm wondering too, is burnout only related to your workload? Because um, I I kind of see, you know, I've, I've been around in work, work environments. I used to work retail at Krispy Kreme. And as positive as that environment is, you know, sometimes you have an employee slip in that is only there a few weeks, but they can be very negative every shift. And so then you walk away as someone who, you know, is trying to have a smile on their face every day um, and dealing with an employee that's just kind of, beating you down or negative about everything, um, that can really burn you out, um, weeks on end. So I guess as, as a supervisor from an employee standpoint, it would be very helpful to get to know me a little bit and to figure out like, you know, is it because of your workload or is it because of personal things that are going on or the people around you?
0: That's very well said. And we have in our sessions, we talk about nine expectations for leaders and employees and they all go together. So if you as a supervisor-manager, maybe you're fantastic and you're positive and you love your people, and, but you are allowing a person, as Madeline just said, who is negative to be allowed to be like that for 40, 50 hours a week. We talk about passion being like water in a bottle. And if, so even if you're a very positive supervisor-manager and you love your team, but you're not dealing with Joe or Mary who are sucking the life out of people... Yeah. Then that's on you, and so I think that's right. It can be peers, it can be hourly staff folks, not always supervisors. It could be, it can be customers. It could be clearly things going on at home. If if people have sick parents, sick children, going through relationship issues, uh, health issues, financial issues, moving, just life things that happen, we have to be, you know open to talking about that too. You don't. We always tell supervisor managers they don't have to get into the intimate details of people's lives, but if you think your people are just names on a roster that don't have lives and things that, that maybe, maybe 90% of their stress may be at home, not at work. So you can't fix that. You can't intervene and become their therapist and all that, but as Madeline just said, knowing your people is one of our nine expectations. Hey, what's going on? And It might just be something where the leader says, you know what, I know you got a lot going on at home this week, you're number three on your list, I'll take that from you. Or let's just wait on that and not do that till May 1st. Whatever, that might relieve stress for people. So all really tied back to having regular conversations.
2: Yeah, it's really kind of, if you think about the VIP way, it's like the holistic approach of everything that we talk about, right? It's setting the expectations up front, setting those values the robust hiring process, evaluating and vetting people so that you don't get the, the bad egg in the organization. You're not going to be 100%, 100% of the time. But there's steps you can take there to ensure that you're hiring people that match your values and your mission. Um, and then it's training them you know, on all those things and then holding them accountable accountable to that. So if you get the bad egg or you have someone that's kind of bringing the whole environment down, you deal with that and you deal with it in an appropriate and timely manner. So it's, it's really the whole pr- approach
0: that's right and i think i mean the last thing i'll say on this is that companies know we are every company i've ever dealt with has a zero injury rule or target we don't want anybody getting hurt we don't want anybody obviously having a fatality in the workplace or anybody getting physically hurt lost time injury there's not a company in the united states that doesn't have that goal but we don't think about this side of it the the mental side of it and the exhaustion side of it and the stress side of it. So again, we're not suggesting that leaders become therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists, but just being aware of it because it's much more likely that an employee is going to be burned out than physically injured. Mm -hmm. And so it's really looking again at a holistic human approach to your people.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you all for letting me be on this, this episode. And I think, um, we're about to record another one. We're going to kick John out and we're going to talk a little bit about strategies to battling burnout. Um, and we'll have Tanner jump in for that one.
0: Awesome. Thank you all.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.